This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. We have had absolutely stupendous snowdrop show and tell. Just a whole raft of varieties we've never spoken about on the podcast and uh, lots of inspiration there. And of course, the great thing about your garden, anyone who doesn't know, who doesn't follow your Glantholic Instagram might think it's some sort of snowdrop focused world. It's this monoculture Very white of snowdrops. And green. <laughs> but, you know, you have so many plants throughout the year. And obviously at this time of year, you've got all these wonderful neighbours that sit alongside the snowdrops as well. Yes, there are there are one or two. Um, <laughs> so the, these, as you know, we call winter hostas. You would know as Arum Italicum or Cuckoo Pint, Lords and Ladies. Lots of lots of vernacular names, and this one is one which is quite a reasonably small size. This is at maximum size, I think, for this plant. This is one called Tiny, and it arose in, according to Elizabeth Strangland, who is a very good plantswoman, um, it arose in E.A. Bowles' garden at Middleton House. So that is, it is nice to have it for that um, history, really. So that's a small one. And it's the variegation which is rather nice. And we, there are a lot of arums now, and they're becoming more available, but they are slow to increase. So, you know, it's it's difficult to find them. This one is a little different. I'm very carefully holding them with kitchen paper because <laughs> otherwise it will go all over the computer and I don't want that <laughs> and you can see that that's tiny and that one that is monk silver oh I thought that was monk silver I have monk silver which of course comes from Joe Sharman who's often on the podcast and he does a lot of work with arums and is a good source of them Lovely plant, quite silvery leaf, quite different in size. So a good one to grow, makes a nice clump quite quickly. Yeah. Yeah, nice and vigorous. This one is called chameleon. Oh! Because it's very variegated. It's got lots of splashes on it. And virtually every leaf is different. And so that's that's again, is a bit bigger than this quite a lot wider, trying to get them both together. And a different shape, you know, it's it's, it's almost a, a wide triangle, whereas that one is an arrowhead. And there is a quite a nice one I've got called Bright Sight. It's a German one, and it's very wide. But then, I think what my absolute favourite is this one. It's massive, absolutely massive. And they're incredible plants. I mean, I don't know whether you knew this, Alan, but they've got thermogenesis in the in the spathe. So please explain, the spathe, Brian. 
try. <laughs> the spathe gets warmer in in cold weather to attract insects for pollination because, of course, they are flowering, uh, as it were, at a time when it is cold. So they produce their own heat in the flower to attract the plant, uh, the insects, and get pollinated. And in that really awful minus seven and, and beyond that we've had recently, this particular one I'm going to show you, it looked like wilted spinach, but then it came up again and all expanded into this, which as you can see, compared with that one, is quite different. And this one came from Belgium, again before Brexit, unfortunately. And this one is called Hungarian Rhapsody. And I don't know how many people are actually growing it. That is glorious. It's it's bigger than your head. That leaf is bigger than your head. Yeah. <laughs> I expect Joe, Joe has got his eye on it, I expect. It almost looks, the patterning on that leaf, like when you do an aerial shot of one of these uh, sort of floodplains in Africa or something, when the water starts to spread out across the land and you get those rivulets. Yeah. The patterning yeah. on the leaf is wonderful. It's, in it's incredible. And it's, you know, it stands, what, eight inches tall, I suppose? And uh, to begin with, it was no bigger than an ordinary... Aaron, and I thought, oh, well, it's very pretty, but, you know, it's distinct, but that's about all you can say. <laughs> and then it started to grow. <laughs> like all these things. Um, and then I thought I'd better go up a bit. So, more water, more uh -oh. danger with the computer. We know this one, yes. Yes, Amy Doncaster. Ribes laurifolium, Amy Doncaster, which is a, a lovely thing to grow with snowdrops as background. And it's I'm very keen on having lots of plants to grow with the snowdrops, as you know, and, and lots of taller plants as well as shorter plants, because lots of the bigger ones also, you get a touch of scent. I do love that Ribes, Amy Doncaster. I don't have it, but it's so kind of elegant. My my Ribes is, you know, it's a, it's a showstopper. It's fabulous, but it's very in your face when it comes out, which is is later. But that one, it's just, it's so charming. It can be a scrambly old thing, a messy grower, yes. but I've got it at the base of a north wall and it, it where I can haul it back, I, I can tie the stems back to the wall. And if you tie them and arrange them, they look so much nicer. Yes, yeah. John Morley's got one on the end of the house, hasn't he? Yes. And he, he has it tied in. And yeah. I, I cut I I prune mine particularly to keep it against the fence. Yeah. Because um, we just haven't got the room as you know. And of course, I grow it near Snowdrop, Amy Doncaster. <laughs> <laughs> of course, you do. <laughs> Everybody knows Hamamelis. Yep. Which you should grow for winter colour, of course, and scent, 
and that's just the ordinary common or garden one but i mean you get such a variety i showed um, an orange one on instagram the other day and this one is much redder and is beginning to come up a lot of the breeding was done at Kamtut arboretum i think and they have a huge variety there and actually if you get ones that are in the garden which are um grafted they're quite often i think granted on the original virginia virginiali is it and that will grow from the base so you have to watch it and take those off otherwise you know, happened, they will take them with 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 one of mine in particular that i'm and i didn't see the because it's growing in with other shrubs i didn't see until it was almost too late that the the rootstock was growing and and of course the rootstock is much stronger than the graft um so you've got to watch yeah. that because otherwise it will take over yeah yeah and then you've lost the really nice one haven't you yeah and that's the same with that red one that i mean there were bits growing from the base which i've dug down and taken off and out of interest how do you place that red one because i absolutely love the darker coloured hamamelis, but then I think it's so easy to lose them in the garden. And the Cambridge University Botanic Gardens Winter Garden, they've they've got Yelena, Yelena, however you say the the lovely orange Yelena. one. And Yelena. they place that really nicely because they have obviously got a lot of space, so they can place it against sort of other coloured plants, corner stems, or whatever, to try and complement uh, and and allow those flowers to shine. And it's it's quite hard; they can kind of get a bit lost unless you've got a good backdrop for them. Well, I'm afraid we haven't really got a good backdrop because it's 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 backed by the fence, and uh, and so all you've got is wooden fence behind it with um, plants growing up it. So I mean, it's got a bit of a green background. Yeah, there's a wonderful red one called Kohanki Red. <laughs> Lovely name. <laughs> I think this it's not Robin. Diane? Yes, Diane. Ah, it's Diane. Diane. But Yelena is named after the person who bred them at Carmthut. His wife was Helena. Yelena. And there are others named after members of the family as well. So there's, you know, quite a selection of them. Yeah, I, I, do, I do covet Yelena. I do want Yelena in my life. I'm just not sure where I'd put Yelena. Well, the wonderful thing about um, um, hamamelis is they are virtually trouble-free apart from taking off their suckers because they don't really like being pruned. So they are a kind of shrub that needs space if yes. you can give it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the red one seems um, less yeah. prone to getting rangy. And I always prune them after they've flowered and take off half of the new growth on every stem so that it keeps it uh, to a, a decent size for our garden oh you because are a stern master brian i am i'm i like i'm almost as bad as chopper roof <laughs> ian roof <laughs> right oh. this delicate little thing i had to have this do you know it, Alan? Yes, it's an anisera. It is indeed. 
and it's uh, Lenisra Elisay. Yeah. I wonder why I had to have it. It was introduced by Roy Lancaster, which I didn't realise, and the synonym is Infundibulum Varrochii. Oh, I, I prefer Elisay. <laughs> far easier to remember, isn't it? Indeed. John and Judy are a lovely one. Yeah, they have. Haven't they? In yeah. their drive. That's where I first saw it, which made me get it. Me too. Mm. <laughs> Guilty as charged. <laughs> and, then, and then lastly on those, it's almost in flower. Just beginning to. Daphne. Yeah, Ooh. I bet that smells lovely. And of course it does. And it's Daphne Belua, Jacqueline Postel, of course. No, Brian, the Jack, those Daphne Belewers are in, in, I mean, there's lots of named forms, and I've got some forms that don't have names because they're, they're seedlings that I grew. Um, and I've got a couple that are much earlier than the others, and they're very white in flower, but they drop almost all of their leaves. Now, I don't know whether it's this particular year where it's been so cold, but you're almost going back to, to, to um, the original species because the original species, um, it used to drop its leaves. And it, it was deciduous, wasn't it? Yes, you've um, gone on to my flomo, really. <laughs> oh, I Still, am it can so be sorry. Well, let's, let's skip over that. We'll carry on. Tease ahead. <laughs> Hold us in a moment of hiatus. <laughs> no, really, I mean, that's that's showing shrubs. You've seen the snowdrops. There's one other plant that I want to show you and that's this one take the label out so I know what it is <laughs> do you know these Alan no I don't know what that is it's oh, very handsome really yeah <laughs> it's just handsome isn't it it is extremely I handsome I foxed him <laughs> it's rhodia 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 yeah well, I don't like to say roe deer because it reminds me yep, of the problem. I know what you mean. <laughs> so it's roe deer, and this one is called Talbot Manor. Ooh. Oh, well, yes. A good exactly. name. A very good name because it was obviously a rose in Norfolk at Fincham, yep. at Talbot Manor, yep. where Morris Mason was the most incredible, amazing gardener and collector of plants. Absolutely incredible. Um, Begonia Masonia is named yes. after him. Do you remember the tale, Brian, when he showed that Begonia at Chelsea, I think it was? Um, nobody had it. He introduced it, and every little piece of cutting was pinched off it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And he, he used to... He had a, a very large garden when he moved to Larch Wood. Yeah. And yeah. he used to drive through it in his, um, I think it was a Dame Laura Bentley, I can't yeah, remember was. which. Yeah. At the end of his life, he was incapacitated, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And so people used to drive him around and, and stop and show you the plants. And uh, Lady Priscilla Bacon was one of the people who was in the car once. And he didn't like the cold. He was a bit like me. So he didn't like the cold and he smoked cigars. <laughs> and, and so this 
Daimler was getting absolutely heated up full of cigar smoke and she wound the window down and he wasn't at all pleased. <laughs> I forget what she said. So there's another thing I want to say about snowdrops because if you remember last time I made a massive blooper <laughs> and said that Hayrick Greatorex had bred all these Shakespeare ladies from crossing two snowdrops and I got them wrong. <laughs> Don't know why. Nerves, I expect. But we are Hayrick very nerve-wracking. Eric <laughs> Greatorex crossed Plicatus with the double form of Nivalis, and that's how he got them all. And in that podcast, I said that everybody was desperate to see what he looked like because nobody knew what he looked like. And he lived in this funny little house. And then this just reminded me talking about Morris Mason, because I did an article in this book, Enticing Paths, because in it, there's an article by our friend Richard Hobbs. And ah! we'll get to the other side. There is Hayrick Greatorex, who was known to his family as Tony. Tony Greatorex and his house. So that was quite interesting, I thought. <laughs> We've right, I'm going on off, him. I'm going off piste a little bit because there's another thing I want to say. This is how I label my snowdrops. You can see that it's a long label. It's eight inches and it gets put in the ground, as you know, to about that much. So the birds can't get them out. And so it doesn't look like lots of tombstones all over the all, all over the garden. And it's printed. And I know in a podcast or two back, Alan said about these handheld printers and how they were terribly fiddly. And I found that. And then I found this. And this is by the same people and it is attached to your computer, and you can touch type, well, because I'm a touch typist, so you can type out the name on your computer, which is far easier, and then print it at the end there. Or if you're Alan, you could delegate. You could delegate the typing. I've got, I've got to know the make of this thing. I mean, this is, this is wonderful. It's a brother, and it's a, a P-touch. And the reason I got it was uh, quite a few years ago now, we went to see, oh, it's, it's, a, it's all snowdrops, you know. It was a garden near Birmingham called Woodpeckers. And there's a snowdrop called Woodpeckers, which was, you know, not the whole reason for going because it was the wrong time of year. But it's where this snowdrop had originated. It's a little yellow one. It's a lovely little thing. And it's the, it was the garden of Andrew and Lally Cox. And they were terribly good gardeners, sadly no longer with us. And I think their garden has been split up, although I think Jackie, the daughter, may have part of it. Um, and we were looking around the garden and it was full of trees and shrubs and all sorts of herbaceous stuff. And lots of these labels were on the trees. And there were black labels with this printing on. 
And I thought, oh, they look rather smart. They look, you know, reasonably new. So I said to Andy Cox, you know, that they're really nice labels. How long have you had those? He said, oh, years, he said. And they were, you know, 10, 15 years old, and they still looked as good as that. In fact, the thing that didn't look good or quite so good was the label because it was beginning to fade. <laughs> the actual label, not the title, the label was fading. So I thought that was really good. Yeah. So out of interest, where do you get, we need to know about the whole caboodle. So the label, I assume you get the actual printing label bit from Brother. You do get the printing label bit from Brother. They're not cheap, but then you're only going to do it once, aren't you? They're um, only bulbs, the, Brian. <laughs> they're only bulbs. They're only labels. <laughs> these particular labels are not my normal ones. These are a bit more bendy, and they come from the Essential Company, which is in Pullham Market, the Essentials Company. Very good for all sorts of garden supplies. But the ones that I usually use are from Wells and Winter because they are thicker and more substantial. Lots of people would have them sticking up out of the ground and, of course, they would snap if you walked into them and things like that. But because I have them low down, I know that they're going to last a long time. I am so glad you brought the labels up because when I came to your garden, I wrote down all these notes about your label machine and everything, which I, that is somewhere. Oh, really? <laughs> I have notes on this somewhere, but I- I've I got my old hand, hand held one lying about somewhere, not being used if you want it. <laughs> Don't tempt me, Brian. I'll steal all your plants, all your gizmos, all of it. <laughs> and there are loads of other- um, shorter flowers that I grow, um, well, they're not all flowers, really. A lot of them are foliage plants to highlight the snowdrops. Like, for instance, the black grass, a fire pogan, and another dark uh, foliage plant, Lunaria annua ched glow, yeah. which comes through with almost purpley black foliage so you get little mounds of foliage with white snowdrops that's clever um yeah lots of variegated things like um hepaticas that have got small variegated leaves and ranunculus that have got small variegated leaves not the um celandine that goes absolutely everywhere <laughs> i mean the the modern hybrids, the double flowered forms, are much better. Um, but I have got I have got some nice variegated ones which are a bit thuggish and you have to keep an eye on. I, I rather like hookahs. So I I mean there are an awful lot of different sorts of hookahs. So I've got um a nice one called creme brulee, which you would like, mm. Thordis because it's the right colours. <laughs> and then we've got one called David. I have no idea why we got that one. Uh, that's... <laughs> Always nice to pay homage to the other half. <laughs> well, quite. And and that was on the Hardy Plant Society's um, endangered list. And so we were getting it as a con con 
conservation plant to bulk up and pass on. Uh, and there are loads of others like that. And then I've got um, things like Arabis. I think I showed on Instagram a picture of Galanthus Matt Bishop with um, an Arabis, which has the most wandrous name, um, Ferdinandi Coburgi Old Gold. <laughs> Sounds like a member of the German royal family. I know. It, we grew it on for the Hardy Plant Society when the Norfolk group had a stand at Chelsea. And it was one that we grew on here. And so we were allowed to keep a, a plant. So that was quite nice. Um, there's a lovely yellowish Carex, if you know it, Alan. It's Carex oshimensis everillo. Yeah. I think that's nice because in in the springtime you've got the dark soil you've got this light yep. uh green carex foliage so that looks good you've got hecatias hecatia yes that's right isn't it hecatia epipactis yep. and there's one called thor which is a really nice one um to provide a, a bit of difference in the garden and a euphorbia Euphorbia cross martini, ascot rainbow. Oh, yes. Do you know that one? Yeah. I love that. And them. in the cold, the foliage, which is variegated, can go red in the cold. So that's a nice contrast as well. And then you've got all sorts of things. Because it's a long season for snowdrops, you see, because we're going from September to the end of March, beginning of April, there's all sorts of things that you can grow, like Adonis with the yellow flowers and the lovely foliage. And that looks really good with snowdrops. And then of course there's crocuses. Mm. And at the moment, the crocus thomasinius are just beginning to start here. And I grow a lovely um, pale mauve marked one called uh, crocus huefluensis shockwave, which looks stunning with primulas. And primulas, of course, look good with snowdrops. Anemones are beginning to bud up now and start to show colour. And so we get those. And um, another really good foliage plant for, for snowdrops is... Um, well, flowers obviously hellebores but there is a lovely foliage hellebore which is um multifidus subspecies hertz of a govina <laughs> which has very fine leaves you know they're they're really can't think what the word is you know alan lanceolate yes i suppose they are lanceolate leaves it's a super thing because it's it's quite different to the other hellebores. You don't really grow it for the flowers. You grow it for the leaves. I saw structure. one somewhere the other day where the leaves are the leaves are actually just like fuzzy little tentacles. Yeah, well, I sh it's probably that. Yes. Um, I know Rosie grows it and John Morley grows it. And lots of people will grow it, of course. And then we've got one called Pink Ice, 
which came from Ashwoods, from John Massey's nursery. And it's an interspecific hybrid of um, Nigacores and Tibetanus. Well, I can't grow Tibetanus very well, but pink ice is sort of like a larger version of that. So I grow that in a pot by the back door. It's a lovely thing. So there are all sorts of other things. Corridalis will be coming up soon. And, and you get all the different foliage, uh, different flower colours of that. There's a lovely one called Popovii, which I grow, which is a white with sort of maroony tips. There's corns purple, Creighton blue. There's common or garden yellows and whites. There's lovely reds like Gandalf. There's no end of those. And uh, and obviously, you know, the flowers, flowers and corridalis are beautiful, but the clump of spinners I have, the foliage of yeah. that is looking so beautiful in the little raised bed with my snowdrops nearby. So it's there's one of... thing. There's one thing you haven't mentioned here, Brian, yet, and I know that you've got quite a few different yeah. varieties. That's aconites. <laughs> Ah, aconites. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> well, yes, I could say that, couldn't I? Yes. <laughs> At the moment, we have one or two aconites out. <laughs> um, we've had Wintersaube out for quite a while. Silicica has just come out. Doos is on the point of opening. Lady Lamortania is about to open. Ewan Bunclark is in bud. The one that I'm desperate to see in the garden is the one with the dreadful name, Andankan and Johannes Rashka, which won't be how you pronounce it, pound to a penny, but it's a real greeny one and costs the earth <laughs> because it's very, very slow to increase. Some of them increase really quickly, like Schweffelglanz and Pauline. And Pauline's in the garden, very pretty. It is. And if you are very clever, because I wasn't, this was sheer luck. Sheer Everybody luck. needs a bit of that. <clears throat> I happen to be growing Galanthus acuson d'or which is a Nivalis, which was found by Mark Brown, Matt Bishop and Joe Sharman, I think, in Normandy, hence the French name Ecousson d'Or, because it has yellow marks on the outers as well as the yellow inner. And I happen to be growing it, and I happen to plant um, Eranthus Pauline, near it and it's the exactly the same color oh. just sheer happen chance so when it's out in flower it looks superb yeah and i can't claim any kudos for that at all but you planted which, it which is of course well yes <laughs> there's a lot of serendipity in gardening a lot of serendipity it's a lovely word serendipity isn't it it is yeah we have a bit of serendipity <laughs> Is Pauline expensive because she is a sort of, I mean, before we go on to Flomo, she is a, a bit of a wish list plant. Not if you know the right people. 
No, then the Pauline's not expensive, I don't think, and and Schwefelglanz is not expensive. It's only when you come to things like um, Andenken and Johannes Raschke. It means something like um, in memory of Johannes Raschke, I think. How much are we talking about with a, a winter aconite when we're saying expensive? Because obviously we, we have some grasp on how expensive a snowdrop might be. Oh, 100. Some of them plus. You can pick up some of the really nice Iranthus. Now, I think Lady Lamortania is about £20, something like that. Which, I mean, is is not a bunch of flowers, is it? And, you know, a bunch of flowers is gone in a couple of weeks. But in the garden, you get it every year. My philosophy entirely. Yeah. Yeah. We've all got to justify how... Well, you know, why we spend quite so much money on a bulb. No, no, no justification needed. <laughs> I will, you know what the Chinese say, beware what you set your heart on, for you will surely have it. And it's very true. It is, it is. I, I won't share that one with the other half. <laughs> Very wise. He'll start to get worried. <laughs> they also have another saying. I think it's something like, you must love your garden and love your plants, but you must love your family more. Yes. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I hadn't heard that. I'll put that on a sign to yeah. remind myself. <laughs> oh, Brian. Um, well, we all knew when we sat down, to this podcast, we'd end up with a lot of flomo. I've seen Alan scribbling and scrawling his way <laughs> through the past hour and more of of you sharing plants and uh, and stories and coming up with all kinds of of things. I I don't write notes during the podcast. I can only say that there are so many plants that you grow that I want to grow. But my flomo, and for anyone who's not tuned in before, that's that kind of fear of missing out you get about a flower or a plant. Uh, my flomo is something you emailed me the other day. And you said, I saw this and thought of you. And oh, it, yes. <laughs> a rose called simply Catherine, Rosa Catherine, which is about as me as a rose gets. So it was, they didn't really do it justice in the description on the website because they said it was a sort of peach apricot, which didn't cover it because it had pink to it. It was ruffled. It was uh, it looked like it had a slightly darker eye, but it was this sort of blousy affair in sunset shades obviously appealing to me it felt like a blousier peachier version of for your eyes only which has that very very distinctive dark eye to it uh so that had to go <laughs> there we go i mean that is that's like me in a rose really isn't it it's all the things i want <laughs> there's a very good reason why it reminded you of for your eyes only because it's a rosa persica and all the Rosa Persica have that eye in the centre of the flowers. So for your eyes only is also a Rosa Persica. And we happened to go to a, a, a talk on Rosa Persicas by the new national collection holder, who's Daniel Myhill, who lives in Kenninghall. And he didn't, I don't think he showed Catherine, he might have done. But he was talking about his new national collection, and that's that's why I, I thought, oh, <laughs> I, I know somebody who would like that one. But you have to be careful. 
you have to be careful because they they come from mountainous regions and desert regions and some of them are quite difficult to grow so you have Word to be aware you have to have the right position right plant right place as always as always good old beth chatto um brian you alluded earlier to the fact that alan had nearly outed your flomo <laughs> so drum roll what is it well i have loads of flomo i mean <laughs> always have um it's it's a flomo that i've had for a long time and it's all down to our mutual friend the late anne borrell because in her front oh, garden, yes i know what it is <laughs> <laughs> in her front garden is uh, well, i hope still is um daphne belua gurkha and daphne belua gurkha flowers without the leaves at this time of the year so it's a mass of whitish flowers heavily scented and it, it looks absolutely stunning in her garden didn't it alan yeah it did absolutely amazing so that that's all been on my wish list for a long long time as has prunus mumi benny chidori that's... which i know i can't grow because <laughs> it's going to get too big that is a lovely plant which though. is a shame but i have a small plant on my wish list as well which is a funny thing it's it's a cardamine or cardamine however you want to pronounce it which is also known as dentaria and it's eniaphilos which is a whitish yellow one and I, I came to this through another great snowdrop friend, Anne Repnow from Germany, who wrote a wonderful book called about, hmm, what did she call it? Hang on. Good job you can edit these things. <laughs> oh, dear. You wouldn't think in a small space you could lose so much stuff. Oh, I do. <laughs> this is a lovely book on snowdrops. Beautifully illustrated. Anne is a German galanthophile. Look at that. Isn't that lovely? It is. She is a super book. And the nicest thing about it is she tells you what the plant is and she marks it for three things. The price, whether it's cheap or middle-sized or expensive whether it blooms early in the main season or late, and how vigorous it is. So, I mean, it's a really useful book. And she's a lovely lady, and we are so excited because we're going to meet her soon. <laughs> Never met her before. <laughs> um, and then the other day, I did see one other thing that I would quite like to grow with my snowdrops, um, because it's a blue flower. And I mean, everybody likes blue flowers, don't they? Um, it's Wolfenia cross schwarzii. And I will leave you to look it up and find a picture because it has a little cluster of blue flowers. Oh. And it's it's reasonably short, so it will look good, I think, with the snowdrops. And one aconite. <laughs> lemon and lime. Now, lemon and lime is a newish aconite which arose in Rod Leeds' garden. And Rod Leeds is a wonderful plantsman. 
So that's that's one to add to my little collection of aconites. I think this might be one of the finest Flomo sections we have ever had. <laughs> <laughs> that is some top-notch Flomoing for February. I love it. Top-notch you, February. You know Flomo. what the Chinese say. You know what the Chinese say. <laughs> <laughs> So, Alan, how on earth can you possibly pick out some Flomos? Oh, I'm exhausted <laughs> <laughs> because there's just so much. I mean, the Rodia Talbot, Talbot Manor, Rodia, Rod, Rodia. And how do you say it? Rodia. Well, I say Rodia. They're, Rodia. they're Japanese, basically, Japanese yeah. woodlanders. And they, well, they Tor- present them in a pot. You know, they have... Yeah. Ex- extraordinary exhibitions with enormous numbers of these variegated plants. Yeah, yeah. They do the same similar things with hepaticas, don't they? Yes, they do. And the, yeah. I mean, they're woodland plants, Rhodia. Yeah. Well, that's on my list. It's, I've got to see if I can find that somewhere. Um, I'm not going to go oh, on wow. too much because there's, there's so many. <laughs> but I'm going to go back to my original thing, which was... Um, vigorous clump forming snowdrops. Um, everybody can understand what I mean. And I, after the, the lovely tale of you with Sir Nicholas Bacon and him giving you one bulb, which took your two arms to lift, I think I would like to be able to buy a substantial amount. And I'm probably talking about 20 pots of something called Ace of Spades. Oh, right. <laughs> How many pots of Ace of Spades can you muster, Brian? None. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a little place, and it's somewhere where I pass by every day. I've just cleared a little small piece of woodland out, let in a lot more light, and it's it's this this bare piece of ground just looking at me. I could plant other things there, so it, it doesn't have to be snowdrops, but in my mind it has to be snowdrops. And I would just like a fairly vigorous snowdrop that I can fill this patch of ground with. Um, and OK, 20, pot, 20 pots would probably be somewhat sparse for the first two or three years. But after that, I could just vi- have this vision of a carpet, um, a carpet forming, shall we say. Carpet forming. Um, mm. Well, uh, there are several that I can think of that are older varieties, so they're not desperately expensive. And there are things like Colossus, mm-hmm. Sentinel, yep. easy growing, quick to clump up, very nice looking. I think they'd suit you. I think they would. <laughs> they're not they're not um, what you would call extraordinary snowdrops. They're good, tried, tested snowdrops but i would also like to have ace of spades even if it's in smaller quantities <laughs> and what the heart desires <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> before we before we wrap things up and before we leave the subject of snowdrops for a future time when i am buying more snowdrops the the sort of green tier type rosemary burnham type green snowdrop what is the most vigorous of those well green tear is quite vigorous you know it is yeah yes. that was that was found in a woodland by herchin I, mean, we, I think i started off with one bulb here 
And everybody, um, I don't tell people what I paid for it, to be quite honest, because it was expensive. It was um, well over £100. It was more than it's several hundred pounds. Yeah. yeah, it was in those days. And um, uh, I thought, a bit like your conquer tale, Brian, I thought, well, if I lose this thing, people are going to laugh at me and say, silly old fool, look, he spent all that money and it died. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> but it didn't. It it it. It um it grew very very well and then <laughs> we already mentioned Chopper Roof on this program. Well, Chopper Roof, as you know, he comes and helps me in the garden sometimes. And I was looking out very early one year for my green tear, and there was there was nothing there. And I said to him one day, I said, "Do you know what happened to green tear?" Oh, he said, "Didn't I tell you I've divided it?" <laughs> so he dug them up, divided it, put them somewhere else in the garden without telling me. I didn't know, but I got a lovely surprise because suddenly I had this larger spread of green tea. Oh, wonderful. And they do very, they very quickly bulk up. Yeah, yeah. And something went through my head just then. I mean, if you want something that's quite showy, I would go for something um, in the Trump's line, like Trumpalute or Trim Ingram. That's a very quick to increase one. And, and, you know, you've got the green and white that you can see then. Yeah. So that'd be quite a good one, I think. Well, wish list. So much FLOMO. So much FLOMO, Brian. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And if people absolutely. want more of that in their life, then follow Galantha Hollock on Instagram, where pretty much every day there's something that you wish you were growing. And, uh, and uh, what the heart desires, you can then hopefully get hold of. <laughs> Um, thank you so much, Brian. It has been as joyful You're as I expected. Welcome. I'm sorry I've been sneezing and blowing my nose throughout. It, it wasn't ideal, but uh, <laughs> it happens. But I, uh, I have absolutely loved this as uh, even more, I think, than I'd expected, and I expected a lot. So well, thank, thank you. you for getting all these plants together. We're all just going to go and lay down in a darkened room to recover. I think. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm going to go and get on the computer and find out where I can find some of these lovely things. <laughs> How much money will Alan have spent by afternoon? We'll have to oh, find gosh, out. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's only money. <laughs> Until next time, happy gardening, everybody. Happy, happy gardening. Garden. Lovely to see you, Brian. All the best. Hey, Fordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening and we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.